Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Hello and welcome back to another episode with Three Musketeers production. It's myself, Hamid. And my real brother, Hesam, as has been questioned. Today, we've got a very interesting topic and a good friend of mine, Emily, uh, that I've known for many years. And I guess is what Emily, uh, when we met the first time, me and Emily, in our career sort of timeline, that's what the topic is about, Emily's background into IT. And through our conversation today, we're going to try and work out if and where the problem is within a lack of females in IT sector and hopefully give a solution through our journey and our experience. Emily, I'll hand over to you to give us a little intro about yourself and also your background and your career. Okay, thank you. Um, I was just trying to think when we first met, it's actually longer ago than I would like to admit. <laughs> admit. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel really old. Um, so yes. I came into IT via a really weird route in that I'm actually I'm a history graduate. Always loved history, so I decided to study that at uni. Everybody thought, oh, you're going to be a history teacher. But no, I came out of uni, got a job in recruitment, enjoyed it to a point, and I worked in the IT and telco sector. And I, found, I realized actually the jobs that I was recruiting for sounded a lot more interesting. So I, I basically quit my recruitment job, went back to uni. And I did a master's in information systems management at uh, what was then UIC. I uh, did that full-time for a year, doing odd, uh, odd jobs, like at the library and stuff, and then was lucky enough to land the job at what was then known as Logica, um, doing application support. And I wasn't particularly technical, I will say. Um, I could do a bit of SQL, and that was about it. And then I ended up uh, supporting quite a major customer, uh, which is obviously where I met yourself. And then since then, I've kind of moved around it from app support into the infrastructure side of things, doing ITSM, so like problem and change management, and then got into what I'm into now, which is is pretty awesome, to be fair, uh, which is robotic process automation, which is, is really cool. <laughs> so that, that's a whistle-stop tour of my career to date. I like that. Um, a lot of words went over my head. It was too technical. SQL. That was not technical. SQL is SQL, really. Um, it's, it's SQL. <laughs> I think novices... It's too much effort. It's too much effort novices, to novices say SQL, because that's what we read, and the professionals call it SQL. This is um, the one thing which annoys Hamid. I always say, oh, it's SQL, not SQL. <laughs> well, you say SQL at uni, and then it's SQL when you get a job. I think that's the, that's the rule. I think it leads probably to, you know, the first question that we've got, you know, we, we talked about sort of your career, and I think I knew you didn't go straight to... IT, you know, you jumped, you jumped. So, you know, it's, it's interesting you in history, recruitment, and then found your way into IT. Yeah. For me, was it the fact that you had an insight of what IT looks like that was the, I don't know, the persuasion to say, actually, that's something I want to try? Yeah, I think so. So it, it was kind of two things, I guess. Um, one was that. So I was seeing, uh, recruiting all these these different roles. Um, so I was recruiting for, for companies like Ericsson and EDS and did, did a bit with Microsoft and uh, when I was doing the Microsoft recruitment, I had to visit Microsoft in Reading and I was sitting in the reception area uh, and this is going to sound really sad, but they had a fridge in the reception area that was just full of cans of Coke and Fanta and stuff and you could just help yourself. And then when we went and I thought that was pretty cool. And then we went into the foyer and they had Xboxes everywhere. 
and like the original Xbox, which says how long ago it was. But and I was just like, that is so cool. <laughs> um, so that was that was one aspect of it. And then the as- other aspect was doing my history degree. It was all about military history. So I've always been a bit of a geek about that. So I really wanted to work in technology in the defence industry. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, but I didn't get a job in that. I got a job in Logica. But uh, yeah, it all worked out. I think I'm trying to work out. I've gone back to schools and universities talking to the younger generation and the perception they have of IT is you're in a dark room all nerds all (laughs) nerds um coding away and funny enough it's it's perceived as a I say it's perceived it is I don't know why it is they think it's a it's a dude typing away you're coding away yeah do you think that's where the problem starts at the younger generation uh, the wrong misconception Absolutely. I think like when you're watching films and stuff, it's always, or TV shows, it's always like geeky, generally bearded um, guys yeah. sitting, at, sitting at a desk in a basement, yeah, with like a load of pizza boxes and, and cans of Monster. That's kind of the, the thing that people think. And, and when you watch films like The Social Network and stuff, that, that doesn't do anything to dispel that myth because that's basically what they, what they were doing. So yeah, I don't think that helps at all. And there are more guys than, than girls. It's, it's, I mean, just thinking back to my even the graduate interviews and stuff, the number of women in that group was very small. Very, very small. It was primarily guys. But the interesting thing is, actually, that, that sort of programmer type, it absolutely exists. But the majority of IT is not doing coding. <laughs> There's like so totally, many different Totally roles. agree. Yeah. And I think that's my frustration is, and, and you know this, so for me, the biggest frustration I've had is that my first job, which I think Emily mentioned, it must have been 2011, I want to say. I might be wrong, or 12. I met Emily. She was my first line manager, supporting a big client, as I think Emily mentioned. And then I had another line manager who was also female, Linda, and down the line, the director, Sam, female. So for me, they were my professional, you were my professional role models. And what really has frustrated me is when I've gone to other organizations or I've gone to other places and they feel it's, it needs to be a male-dominated sector. And I'm like, actually, no, all my role models actually that I look up to, they're all females. And IT isn't what you think it is. It's actually much more diverse. I think you mentioned it, media, TV. Mm-hmm. Would you say school has a responsibility to change that perception? So that's a difficult one because I know like stuff always gets pointed at schools, like schools need to do more on X, Y, and Z, and then they've only got so much time in the day. I think from an education perspective, potentially uh, girls get put off maths and things when they shouldn't be. There's that sort of, oh, I can't do that, or, you know, girls can't do maths. And I think potentially there's that that unconscious bias that does reign on that front. I mean, I always felt that. I always felt that maths wasn't for me, um, which in turn leads to kind of, you know, technical roles aren't for me. So potentially more can be done on that front. But I I, I wouldn't purport to know what the answer is, because as I say, it's quite easy to just say, I know it's, it's either it's schools schools have got to do more on it or parents have got to do more on it, but everybody's got a lot on their plate. It's interesting because you both worked in top tech sectors yeah, um, to a degree. Have you guys seen it firsthand? Because you mentioned at your previous first job, there was a lot of female directors or managers you had, and then it started to change. So you've seen as an improvement or is it going backwards? If I go first. Yeah. So first organization where I met Emily was the most diverse um, we had from a workforce perspective. So we had, it wasn't proportionate, 
but we had, you know, Emily, a few others, but I had a few colleagues that were also females. So you wouldn't notice it that much, especially when you've got some um, senior roles uh, that obviously, you know, that are sort of mixture of male and female. It still wasn't, you know, 50-50. But that was 2011, so it was probably ahead of its time. Yes, totally agree. But what changed for me is when I went to my next organization and where I currently work, it's there isn't a single um, female in the IT. Well, there is one in the whole IT function, and that's a lot of people in my current one, and the last one was the same. And it's really weird because I was I sat in a meeting, um, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this by accident or not. I sat in a meeting. We were talking about recruitment. Um, we need another junior developer in. And the guys were saying, when he comes in, he can do this and this. And I said, why would you assume it'd be a he? It could be a she. And these guys that are, and this is really weird. It's maybe slightly off topic. So for me, I'm not born here. You know, I'm from a different, you know, culture, language, religion, right? These people are from here. And I found that really, I don't know, it's bizarre because the perception is me being, you know, a, a Muslim from Afghanistan, it's, it's much more male dominant. And it probably is, but on different aspects. But I had to correct these guys that were, they were born here. And I said, hang on, why would you assume it'd be a he? And I had it again in my current one. I've had it twice in different organizations where they assumed the person who's going to come in, it's going to be a he. So have I seen a change? No, that's me being completely blunt. Yeah, that it's, it's interesting that the whole use of the he pronoun, to be honest, it, it's used. It's, it's kind of the default. If, if you hear anybody talk about technical roles, the likelihood is they will say he. Where are we? 29, yeah, so 2019, last year, I did a talk at Blue Prism World and I was on stage first doing my bit for 20 minutes and when I was up doing the practice run the guy that was coming on after me a guy from IBM um, who was there with a the customer he listened to me doing my run through and when I came off stage he was like really good talk there was something in there that really jarred with me and I was like oh here we go and basically there's a bit in the talk where I said and I did it on purpose where I, re- I referred to one of the role types that you get in RPA um, so yeah. something called a, a ROM architect. And I was trying to explain what the ROM architect does. And I used she. So I was like, she will do this and she will do that. When I come off stage, it was like, it just really jarred with me. And I it shocked me how much it jarred with me. Because you're just not used to hearing she in any... I mean, and it might not even just be a technology thing. That might be wider. But that has stuck with me that he said that. And now whenever I do talks and stuff, that that is what I try to... I tried to do it and not go into the default because I think it's not just a male thing. Women do it too. And I think it is just it's a large part of it is just habit. That's what you hear all the time. So that's what you say. So it's that unconscious bias thing again. Absolutely. And do you feel, you know, since we met, so, you know, 2011 today, have you seen a shift or a change? No, 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 I don't. I wouldn't say so. I think back in, in the role where we met, I, I genuinely think you were lucky in terms of, you know, obviously you have me as your manager, but um, you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had, um, yeah, that, that line, that, the three women in leadership roles um, around you. But actually, probably if you walked into that office, I mean, percentage-wise, it was still probably pretty low. Um, I'm trying to think who, who was in there. Yeah, I could, I could probably easily name all the women. I wouldn't be able to name all the guys um, that were in that office because the percentage was so, so much. I think you're just lucky in that in that bubble, I guess. And certainly since, no, like uh, moving into infrastructure, when I, when I moved across into what, what was a much larger department, if you look at like the engineer roles, so your server engineers and, and uh, you know, you went a lot, your network guys, hmm. massive, massive percentage were guys. Quite a few in management positions, 
But what I would say about that is actually a lot of those roles are kind of admin stuff. They're not hands-on technical. Um, it was about just like getting stuff done and, and getting people managed. And they definitely were more more of an equal split of the management uh, perspective on that. But that's middle management. And then you go up the next level, and that's where you're really lacking, really lacking women. Um, and the other point as well is actually from the service desk, what we used to see a lot of, there's a lot of women in the service desk, which was kind of like the entry level. But even when we recruited, we were trying to recruit into to certain roles, engineer type roles, because that, that was kind of the hunting ground from a recruitment perspective. Women weren't applying. They, they didn't see that as that was, that was their, their next step. And, and I think that's what you've, you've got to try and fix. And a lot of it was, uh, it sounds so, um, I don't know, stereotypical, but like as a female, I've certainly done it, where you look at a job spec and unless you hit like 90% of the things that they're asking for, you go, oh, yeah. that's not for me. It might be much, too much of a generalization, or it will be, but a lot of guys will look at it and go, well, I, could, I, could, I can do that, I can do that, and I can learn how to do the rest. So they'll apply. Um, whereas women just don't think like that naturally. Are they in genetics? I, or is I, that... don't know, I don't think it's genetics, no. I think it's just how you grow up. I mean, boys and girls grow up very differently. Um, there's a really good book on this for anybody that is so inclined uh, called uh, Hard Ball for Women. And it just explains like when, when you're a girl and you're growing up, generally, it's all about making your friends happy and, and not rocking the boat. And you all sort of go with the consensus. Whereas guys, it's more like a bit rough and tumble. There's always a leader and you kind of fight for that leadership position and it's much more competitive whereas girls it's much more about fairness and that doesn't always translate well then we get into business that's why Hammond had a lot of fights when he was uh, young um, <laughs> <laughs> it was natural yeah uh, that, you can blame that uh, as an excuse <laughs> but what's interesting is you both said you don't think that you've seen much of an improvement um, I've got a stat here which might surprise you both so in 2009, there was only 15.7 females in the ICT professional sector. In 2019, is 16.4. So less than a percent increase over 10 years. If you think about like how many jobs have been created in the tech sector over the last 10 years, and then only 1% growth. It's that's crazy. Bad. That's bad. That's really bad because tech sector is what is probably one of the fastest growing sector yeah. from that's 2009 2019 that's 2009 it's the, the epic of like the online world that's when it kicked off facebook everything kicked off then i think emily highlighted something really interesting about the book that you mentioned and i just wonder you know ultimately we're trying to work out is it a problem <laughs> clearly the stat says yes there is and what can we do to fix it and i it's really hard because if you're saying people the way they're brought up um is different is that subconscious bias? Is that cultural? Is that family? Is that protective? I can't really pin it into one. It's a mix. Cast. Yeah. What would be your advice? You know, what would you do differently? If you can go back in time, for example, what would you do differently for you to not say, you know, I can do 50% of the job spec, the rest I can just wing it. That's probably, you know, how I would do if I see a job spec. Not that that's what I've done for my this job, just thrown out Disclaimer, there. Disclaimer, this is not how I got this job. <laughs> <laughs> um... That's a, a really difficult question. So I think I was personally quite lucky in that I was always quite competitive. So I was always involved in sports and stuff. So I'm probably less like that, although I'm certainly more cautious compared to the guys that I know, um, for sure. Hamid, for example. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, my childhood is scarred with competitive with Hamid. Just, that's probably, yeah, it's probably true. 
but I think it's about it's about messaging and it's about being encouraging to your kids. So this aspect I think really does fall to fall to parents, and I certainly try. So I've got a four year old daughter, and I try to toughen her up and get her to be confident and believe in herself. And things like where I see, <laughs> like I was with a friend the other day, and she socially distanced, of course. She was saying to her her youngest daughter, who I think is three, um, stop being so bossy. I'm like, okay, you wouldn't be saying that if it was to a boy. I don't know what you'd be saying, but it's highly unlikely that you'd be calling them bossy. It's such a, a term that is used generally against girls um, and, and women um, when we get into senior roles and, and, you know, we ask for something to be done, that, that makes us bossy. Um, so I was just like, behaving like a boss or she's showing leadership potential. So it's just trying to get people to change the terminology you know you'll see things in the like in adverts and stuff where the toy that is all about army and leadership and stuff that's the boys toy and then the girls toy is the pretty little thing that you play about in the in the corner so it's, it's, ch- it's kind of changing those and i know that there's some really good campaigns um like let toys be toys for example that are really pushing when they see things like that such obvious dangerous stereotypes that they are fighting against it. I mean, if you go back to like, I don't know, 1980s, there was not really pink things and blue things. All of that's been driven out of marketing because you can sell twice as many. Um, But it's actually been quite harmful, uh, especially when you get things like adventurous stories for boys and then like pretty princess things where you can marry a prince and all your problems will be solved for girls. So things like that will definitely help. But there's no one definite answer. But if you're a parent and you've got a daughter, I think it's in your power to change the language around how you talk to them to encourage them to do things like maths and stuff, because there's absolutely no reason why they can't. And then with guys, we've got little boys, raise them to not um, think of girls in that way. You're right. I think just to na- if we name drop in, um, Hesam does digital marketing. So I think what Emily's saying is you're part of the problem. So just, just <laughs> if Only if you sell it. toys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's not. I don't sell toys. Damn it. No, I think for me, I find it's very fascinating. And what I want to do is probably pick few stuff that we're talking about so it looks like we're unpicking it quite slowly so you know as kids growing up with the parents i know parents wants to be protective to look after the kids but at the same time you've got to let them and encourage them to whatever they want to get to it looks like you highlighted a very interesting fact about you know marketing is all about data and they're trying to target the audience but by doing that they're actually becoming a they're causing a problem and almost not a divide is a wrong word, but they pushing people into boxes and categories. Yes, absolutely. And and it's the reverse as well. So, you know, boys might like pink, but if they and they might like princesses and they might like unicorns, but if they rocked up to school with a, a unicorn a pink unicorn bag, they're probably gonna get the mick taken out of them. So it, it works the other way as well. That's fascinating. Thinking about it from a you know, reversal perspective. You, you you're right, you know, it's I'm trying to work out, okay, I'm not into pink shirt, but is that because it's been driven over the years? Oh, by the way, pink is a feminine color. Who says that? No, I, th- so, I just think pink will look horrible on you. Okay, you don't need to say that on the podcast. Uh, but I think what Emily's saying is, is, for me, it's fascinating because sometimes I don't realize subconscious bias having an impact. But I've never tried pink, and I don't know if that's driven when I was younger. And as you said, those marketing, those categorizations, you put in a box, and now it's having an impact where I'm not going to try pink. And obviously, because someone says it doesn't suit me, so there's two reasons now. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about one of the things that I, I love most in the world, there's an episode of Friends. Ross has a salmon-coloured shirt that he really likes, 
and everybody takes the mick out of him because oh, they yeah, say it's pink. So it's, it's it's just everywhere, but you just it's, you just absorb it. It's kind of like the he she thing where you're saying he's this, he's that. We'll we'll recruit him. It's just what you're hearing around you all the time. So it just kind of seeps in, and a lot of the time, I don't. I'm pretty confident um, that most people aren't doing things on purpose. It is absolutely just just don't think about it. No, uh, leading from that, um, friends and uh, Ross, Ross episode, Ross yeah. episode. Uh, You're on a break. Uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I was going to say because we said it's a STEM issue, not just IT, because obviously they're all connected. Yeah. What's really strange is uh, females are more. Only 30% likely to study STEM subjects in university compared to 52%. And I want to know is what can you guys who are in that sector do to people who are picking courses or in schools to select or choose a subject which is STEM related? Or is anyone doing anything that you're aware of? There are, there are lots of things that go on, but I don't think that they get that they're all like pockets. And I think that that's a challenge. So there's certainly lots of organisations like um, like techno camps and stuff from a from a Wales perspective, for example, who go out and, and do that. I think it can often be too late when you start talking to at comprehensive. Or com- oh my god, I'm showing my age at high school. <laughs> um, god, that's embarrassing. Yeah, when when they're at high school, because actually the sort of stereotypes start kicking in when you're still in primary school. Um, and then people are less think- like I, I imagine don't know but less people less women are taking those subjects at university because fewer are taking those sort of subjects at A level and at GCSE so the, the damage is already done quite early in school I would say certainly year seven at the latest I'd imagine but I'm, I'm, I'm no expert on that front I think I agree I've gone back to few high schools and it's interesting you know seven eight nine ten I've done sort of different years of this, the perception is already set. So, and I'm very adamant, uh, and I'm trying to tell people. By the way, it isn't um, it isn't what you think it is. I asked a question quite uh, openly to. I think it must have been year seven, year eight, and I said, "What do you think someone who does it? What is what is actually? If someone says to you it or computing, what do you think it is?" And the consensus across the you know the floor was a dude with a beard coding in a dark room. And then when I said to them, "Do you know you can have marketing, you can have sales, you can have literally everything that you can think of, you know, accountancy, finance, they're all linked to IT." To account, you know, you think about you know what Emily's doing now. She's in a, a very senior management role, but she's still is still within the tech sector. But the perception is already, as you said, created at that age that, oh, no, 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 it's a dude in a dark room. And I just wonder, what can we do that we're in the sector? But also, if you're out, people who, who are not in the sector, what can they do to change the tone, the message? So I think some of it is about showing what you actually produce. So the perception is guy code in a way, but actually what's he building? So what are the cool things? Like, I mean, so much of our lives now are uh, online or there's apps for it and stuff. So it's getting people to think about what they could produce if they were if they were in technology and if they did want to be hands on. You could build this app, you could build this game, you could you could get involved in making PlayStation games, whatever's interesting to them, and try and, and try and target it on that front so that they can see the outcome of it and not just the process of you sitting in a basement doing some coding, which some people might be doing more now with with COVID. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's part of it, and I also think, and there are lots of people doing this and lots of organisations doing this like showing role models of people in roles and what they do and just getting faces out there more, you know, going out and doing talks like you're doing, having that, that's really important to do. And I don't think enough people do do that. So yeah, it's those kind of things. It, it, probably one, one thing that's a bit of a, I feel a bit conflicted about is when I see 
awards for you know like women in IT type awards um and the the people up for the awards work in HR or they work in marketing those roles exist in the technology fields yeah but I always feel like it's a missed opportunity for the techies because you just go in oh look here's a here's a role that is pretty much in any organization you go to oh it's females doing it <laughs> like HR and when what we should actually be doing is going look at this person who is doing a technical type role or is doing something that is you know they've got that understanding of technology and they talk about technology which is very different to being in HR or, or being in finance in a technology company because I don't think that does anything I don't think that promotes what you want it to promote it's probably a controversial view um, and I'll probably annoy some people in saying that but I, as I say I think it's a missed opportunity quite often. You want to showcase that women can do technical you know full full technical whatever that means programming gaming and to be fair no i think i agree with you because you don't want to miss the opportunity that to say we've got a role model that is an it sector but she does hr because if someone looks at it from an external perspective they say do you know what they've just badged it differently or maybe i probably get you know screwed for i just said i i can see it i'm, yeah. I'm trying to visualize it and i can see if i'm sitting there and i don't know why it is and I'm and I'm I'm looking up and say, oh, do you know what? Emily just won an award, and she's a HR lady, or um, Emily uh, won an award and she's a full-on gamer, and I don't know, she coded for Call of Duty or something, right? Or Fortnite. I don't know. Random examples, right? No, she didn't do that. I'm oh. just I'm just exampling. Yeah. I'd love to do. Yeah, Call of Duty. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be all over that. I would know if 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 Emily's done. If you did code um, coding for Call of Duty, it's really annoying. The updates um, <laughs> oh my they God, take a massive. long time. <laughs> <laughs> they are huge. I know. Tell me about it. Turn it on don't in ask, the don't ask Emily about let's start on how much she get. <laughs> we had the conversation on Facebook. She's she's showing off like she had like was it like fifty or something. Are you on console or PC? Uh, PS4. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's yeah. Not well, as, as soon as I switch to this, she's probably using bots. Just. You know, she's in the sector, so she knows she knows how to hack it. Um, no, I I think you're making a valid point. If you stood up and I'm going, actually, she's female. She talks. She, you know, and she's actually done something incredible like gaming. Then I might say, actually, that might change my perception of why it is where. And it, I don't know. That's my personal perspective. It might be different, but I'm trying to visualize, and I can see that will sell more. That will have a more of an impact. Than what Emily's experienced. Yeah, of course, because if we ask anyone um, who's young or even us, who is who do you know in the IT sector who's who's very famous? We'll all name Mark Zuckerberg, all the famous ones, which are all male dominated. Um, we don't have, we don't know a female one because they don't get enough coverage. I'm sure there is bound to be one, um, but we just don't know it because that's sad. Though to me, that's very sad that there's an amazing lady out there probably as good as if not better than Mark Zuckerberg but she's not been on the news or I've not heard of her like for me if you ask me it'd be the likes of you know Sam and Emily because I've met him but you're right I've I don't know someone on the global scale well, there's there's, uh, there's people like um Cheryl Sandberg who's a exec at uh, at Facebook she was responsible for for helping get it as as big a success as it was again though she kind of came in I think as a marketing type role but now she's very much a sort of tech CEO type. So, and I think the I can't think of the lady's name, uh, but the lady that used to or may still manage uh, Yahoo um, was a lady as well. Oh, but yeah. uh, oh. I say as well that they're often quite harshly treated in the, in the media. Um, I mean, this is a, a huge, huge topic. 
that could go on for ages. But you're right, there should, we should be pulling out more role models. As I say, there's lots of organisations that, that do it. Um, well, like like Quarry Tech and stuff, um, they do good stuff on this as well. But it's it's just it's it's lots of pockets, and it's not there's no like overarching strategy. No, and to be fair, I think some of them that my frustration is they commit, and I'm double quoting to want to make a change, but they don't run with it, but also don't get the same emphasis that they deserve. For example, I'm I'm looking at something that we pulled. Um, Google started in 2014. To made with code to encourage females to get into the, you coding. know to the sect. Yeah, to go into coding. They did like a whole campaign around female encoding for young generation females, but it was more US based. But I'm sure they'd done the similar thing in UK. And then you've got IBM, uh, two programs to improve representation of women in the senior and exec roles. I think my frustration is: is that fixing the problem, or is it stemmed from the you know? The, I think what Emily mentioned, there's a few stuff in there. The way, the language that we use, um, you know, as as parents at a young age, the marketing strategy that organizations jumped on, probably something to do with, you know, uh, in school and the way that you're not encouraged or you're not, you're not pushed, you're trying to be pushed into different sort of you, what you're comfortable at. And again, I'm double quoting here. Are those the, the routes that we should be tackling rather than what IBM, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not having a go at IBM or Google, but I'm just saying, is that fixing the problem or, or masking? I think I think they give opportunities, so they, they should definitely definitely be in place because there'll undoubtedly be people who never would have thought about it and then decided to do it because it was there or somebody suggested that they did it and they did it and then it worked out. Um, but you're right, I think it's, it's, it's never going to fix the issue. The issue is, is more deeply rooted than that. It is about using that language and encouraging encouraging girls from a young age that STEM stuff is is good, is interesting, and it is for them. And that there's not that attitude of girls can't girls can't do maths. Or I can't do maths because like if you if you I mean I don't know how often you you might talk to children who are under five, um, but they they all the time they say that they can do things and they haven't even tried them. It's amazing. Like, I'll ask Ellie if, I don't know, if she's tried football or something. She'll be like, no, but I'd be good at it. And they lose that when they get a bit older, around, I guess, six, seven, eight onwards. So if we can get them early on that they're, that they're really into it uh, and try and counteract whenever they do hear anything negative, whether it's a teacher just suggesting really subtly that they should maybe look at like doing history or English rather than doing maths because they're just that that's their mindset about it. Um, and, and if we can counter it at that stage, it might keep them on track. But I think if if, if early on, and I, I have certainly seen it amongst friends of, of kids who are a young age, they definitely talk more mathematically to their boys than they do to to girls. It, it's, it's it's weird. I don't know. I don't know. It's got to be just a cultural thing. But it yeah, starts. Uh, it starts them. Um, for anyone who's worried about maths as a problem to get into IT sector. Um, I'm looking at someone who's terrible at maths Why? and uh, has uh, failed at maths, but he is still in the IT sector, so there's hope for all, uh, just to point that out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a very fair point. I'm using maths as an example, but it's, it, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean... He was, so look, I he was a... looking at me, by the way. No, I know he was. I know he was. Oh, okay. E- everyone knows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you're right. You don't need it. But what, it, it certainly helps to think 
in a logical way to work in, yeah. in any technology because it's all I mean if you are doing coding and stuff it's obviously quite helpful um, but yeah even like if you're putting together processes you, you're running a, a team that does problem management and you've got to put some processes in place you, you really need to be thinking logically otherwise it, it doesn't work so well but then that's that's not just an IT thing I guess um, but yeah so you don't have to be amazing at maths but you just have to not think you're rubbish at it <laughs> I guess so failing GCSE in maths is that um, not amazing or is that is that acceptable? Just I'm asking for a friend. I'm not saying I failed my GCSE in maths. I'm just I just, I just want to point out here it wasn't me that actually recruited you, was it? You just came into my team. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! <laughs> I've done I've done okay. Um, I think uh, for people who are listening, I I do have a job. I I think I'm okay at it. Yes, I failed my GCSE maths. There, I've said it. I got I had it. E maybe, um, I'm not gonna use the language barrier because you know it's maths and numbers. Um, I think I just I wasn't a I haven't got a reason. It's okay, no excuses needed. Um, <laughs> but no, you, you just weren't paying attention in the class. Yeah. I assume. There you go. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I hope you pay attention in work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but talking about this, so you're both in tech sectors. Um sort of advice why people should get into tech sectors um, more directed to females and how can they get into it because there's also a problem of getting into the tech sector as well even if you choose tech doesn't mean you have a job so any sort of advice or tips um, how to get in I'll let Emily go first okay so the the first thing I'll say as a positive about it is um, the diversity of people and I don't mean in terms of gender because we've obviously covered that um, but in terms of personality, so I came from recruitment where certainly that where I was working, and I hope they're not listening. It was, everyone was quite similar. Like it, it was very young party type approach, very salesy, which makes sense because that's that's what it is. And I never felt that comfortable in that environment because I'm well, I can I'd quite happily be a recluse. <laughs> so so being that sociable wasn't really for me. Um, uh, and then I when I got the job in Logica. It was awesome because there's so many different people, like some totally bonkers, some really, really happy, some really just just nice people, some just really obtuse and really awkward and grumpy. It was just an amazing mix of people and it was it's just not boring. And I and that has certainly been my experience of the technology sector ever since then, that you just get such a cool mix of, of different personality types. Because I think maybe because there are so many different roles within it. Um, you're not just working with one particular type of person. Um, so that was really refreshing. Um, I mentioned the uh, the fridge full of uh, pop. Drinks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when I started at Blue Prism and I first went to the London office, that I was like proper excited because I felt like I'd finally arrived because they had a massive fridge full of a variety of different Coca-Colas and ginger beers and all sorts. It was amazing. And, and even beers um, for, for the Thursday social events um so it's kind of like depending on where you work of course um there are and, and, and technology is, is famous for this i guess with the whole silicon valley thing but it is it is like really relaxed and fun it's not it's not stuffy and and you know all suited and booted obviously you have to wear suits now and again depending on what you're doing um or who you're visiting from a customer perspective but generally it's a fun environment to be in so that's that's certainly why i would recommend getting into it there's just so much vari- variety of people variety of work and can cope so you can't go wrong. I'm not going to ask Emily which category of people I was when she went to um, 
your own logica. unique um category. oh i got one category yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like retard category <laughs> <laughs> um for me so why it i think i echo what emily is saying in regards of different personalities different people um I think what I find fascinating about IT and why I would encourage people to consider, it doesn't matter if it's female or male, um, there is, it, it's it's a sector that's growing, no matter how you look at it. So uh, I know, obviously, you know, Emily's in robotics. Um, you talk about right now with COVID-19, a huge surge of people working remotely. So what, what do you need? You need hardware, you need software to make it happen. You need support to make it happen. That's that's your IT sector. The functionality of, I don't know, softphones and robotics and uh, remote working, that's all IT. So I think it's the flexibility that people are not aware of that you naturally get within an IT sector. Also, the career the career variation. You know, for me, I wanted to be a DBA and I, that was my first day. That was on my, on my CV. You know, I wanted to be, you know, SQL, DBA. And I, I remember we had some lovely person i'm not going to mention who even put me to a test really really grumpy um emily knows who, who i'm referring to um and i was like oh i'm getting grilled here but i've done a good job and then um before i know it i you know i went on to you know management then i went to software delivery and, and now looking after the development so i've jumped in and out and to be fair same as emily she went from i think there was a phase you even went to transition um you know problem management it's a variation that you're probably not going to get in any other sector that I can think of uh, from the top of my head. I might be wrong, but I think the variation and how easily you can jump, so it's transferable. But also, I think some people think, and I don't want to bring money into this, but financial security is huge. So we think about uh, COVID right now and you know furlough and people being impacted. Right now, if my job was impacted from a COVID perspective, I could apply for a job in, in, in London or Birmingham or Glasgow and probably work remotely. You're not going to get that with probably 90% of other jobs and I think that's what people miss out is don't they don't realize it's a sector that's actually quite fun when you're surrounded with the right people of course um job security which is huge and people have seen it right now with COVID-19 um but also it's just I don't know if if I say it's a fun sector to be that sounds wrong but it is something that you can easily jump in and out change your career path and it's in your own control how much you want to push yourself on where you where you get to so that's why I'd encourage people to consider IT and it's not your typical coding in a dark room. If that's what you want to do, then that's there. But if you want to go into management, if you want to go into uh, problem management, if, uh, you know, instant management, they all exist. Service delivery, infrastructure, data. Uh, I could name them, don't know what that means, but it's there. That'd be my advice to consider IT. Yeah, and I think actually the, you touched on the flexibility side of it that's really important so if you consider that women um will take like most likely take time out to start a family um that flexibility becomes even more important and so my my um role now i'm contracted to to work from home the pre-covid there was loads of travel and which was was awesome um it's it's not been a, a massive upheaval be like not going into the office because my office is my my little robot then um, in my house and I can essentially my role is outcome based so it's not about being trained to the desk nine to five and there's you know there's people watching you making sure that you're doing work as long as you are delivering the goods and and 
everybody's happy and actually more likely you probably do you might do more hours if you choose to um but you can kind of work it much more around your your life so i said i've got a four-year-old during lockdown it was a balance for me and my husband having a home and and not in nursery all the time but actually it, it was cool because i can i can work around it um and that's that can be certainly difficult in in other sectors and it's something that i've i would say is relatively unique to technology that flexibility and and that's really important so actually i think that's probably one of the things that should be really pushed um and say you can work from anywhere and, and generally you can work when you need to yeah and i think you're right it's it's um you know output driven i've got the same thing with you know with the, the guys in my team is look as long as you do the work as long as you you know hit your delivery date that you've estimated it's fine and i'm just trying to work out how often you get that in anywhere else like the mistakes you make in it the consequences are a lot less than you know someone on a front line somewhere so unless it's like an nhs system or yes yeah (laughs) I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention the client that we supported, and sometimes, you know, we accidentally switched off the live server or rebooted it. I think, if I remember correctly, but that's a different day for a different story. Um, Emily, honestly, it's been, um, it's it's flown by what we've discussed, and I think I just hope people who listen to this pick those key pointers from why IT, but also how we should change our ways of living how we perceive what it is you know from a parent's perspective to the education to the organizations is there anything else emily you want to say before we wrap this up for the audience other than what we said no i think um i think we've got the message across that it is a it is a fun sector to work in it's interesting it's varied you don't get bored in it um and that's really that's certainly something that's been really important for me i mean if you want to stay in one role forever you can um, but there's that variety there and you don't have to be a complete techie geek I think we've both proven that uh, to, to do well in it so yeah, yeah. That, that's the message I want to get across thank you thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers hosted by Hamid and Hissam Amiri don't forget to share and follow as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon see you soon